So good morning everyone on this Mission Sunday. This is our once a year opportunity to to focus, highlight some special people and projects that we want to support as best we can. But of course mission isn't restricted to one day per year. It's mission every day. This day and every day is God's gift to us. We aren't just Sunday Christians, Every day is his day, right? Well, it's a new experience for me to be standing here today where Hiwu or Niels normally stand. And many of you don't know me because I don't normally come to this service. So my name is Glenis and I moved to Hong Kong just over one year ago. In fact, today marks exactly one year since my very first visit to Shatin Church. I live in Vista Paradiso, and I've enjoyed attending the Lynx group uh, at Neil's and EJ's house when I have time. But recently, actually, my meetings with EJ have happened more on the tennis court than in their house. Anyway, first of all, I wanted to highlight some particular times in my own missions journey, not just so you'll get to know me a bit, but as a way of illustrating how important people's prayers have been in my own life. My background in the UK was more secular than Christian, a very unlikely missionary. I became a Christian in university, but many years later, long after I had believed and begun my missionary career, I met a woman who had been one of my primary school teachers. She told me that every week, three teachers gathered in a corner of the school gym to pray for their students. She remembered my name and was delighted to learn how God had answered their prayers. So those of you for whom school, your school is your mission field, keep praying for those students. Praying teachers back in the 1950s had a powerful impact on this little girl's life. As a first-year student in university, Christians tried to make friends with me. I'm sure they were praying for opportunities to build gospel bridges, like the drama, and for God to draw students to faith. But I wasn't too interested, and I ignored them. However, down the hall from my dorm, dorm room was a Chinese classmate called Anne Hong. I really liked her and we got along well. Her parents had moved from Guangdong to England in the 1940s and she was born in Sheffield, Yorkshire. I joke now that she spoke English like the famous 19th century missionary pioneer James Hudson Taylor, who was born not very far from Sheffield. So we studied together, hung out over meals, learned about each other's families, discussed all kinds of things, as you do. And after a while, she started talking to me about Jesus, as if she knew him personally. She talked about the Bible as if it was a book worth reading, a new concept to me. I argued at first, 
But the Holy Spirit was working in my heart in answer to her prayers. Five months later, I encountered Jesus myself. I experienced his amazing love and forgiveness personally, and I joined his international family. So students here, if your campus is your mission field, keep praying for those pagan, secular friends and classmates, even those from a very different background to yourselves. Four days after I accepted Christ, Anne took me to a student-led group that prayed weekly for missionaries in Asia. Isn't that a bit premature for a baby Christian? I don't think so. Through those weekly gatherings, I learned the basics of intercessory prayer. I learned that all Christians have a part to play in God's global plan and that all Christians belong to the worldwide body of Christ. This is our privilege and our joy, isn't it? So I encourage you, if this has not been your practice up to now, to do your best to find times and ways of praying beyond your own world. An important spiritual discipline, not only because it is a blessing for those we pray for, but it helps us grow in understanding, in compassion, and in our own faith. Four years passed by, and I decided to apply for a short-term mission program with OMF. Nowadays, this kind of program is called Serve Asia, and you can find information about it on our OMF table. I went to Thailand, but there are 16 other countries that we serve in now. So I shared about this plan at my church prayer meeting and also with the church leaders, and they got behind me emotionally through encouragement, spiritually through prayer, and financially by paying my airfare to, to Thailand and back. Again, I learned that prayer is crucial in terms of guidance, support, and provision. I went for 10 weeks. I participated in medical work and shadowed long-term missionaries to learn from them. All this encouraged me a lot and helped me grow as a young Christian and to continue my journey towards long-term service in Asia. Ten more years passed before I finally joined OMF long-term, and from the get-go, I had five different UK churches supporting me in friendship, prayer, and finance. <clears throat> I'm also linked with ten or more monthly prayer groups, just like the one I attended as a student. My first challenge as a long-termer was Mandarin language study in Taiwan, followed by five years serving in youth work, music ministry, and church planting. Then I came here to Hong Kong for almost two years, just before the handover, before moving, up, moving on to take a position with an NGO in China until the year 2000. I could not have survived and thrived without the steady, faithful support of my mission partners, which continues to this day, some for almost 40 years. 
My life has been full of transitions, full of new challenges and spiritual battles, as well as joys, as well as spiritual fruit and accomplishments. But it is all of his grace. Without him, I can do nothing. One last story before we turn to today's Bible reading. This time last week, I was at a worship service service over 1,000 miles north of here. About 50 brothers and sisters gathered in an office block in the heart of the city, similar to many in Hong Kong. Most of the congregation were between 20 and 40 years of age. The large wooden entrance was unmarked and very thick. Inside, the singing was lively and powerful. I was deeply touched by the faith and courage of these new friends. It was a privilege to be there, to be welcomed in the spirit of Christ. I was blessed by the young preacher's message and testimonies of church members. I was also touched when they invited me up to the front of the church to pray for me. I had visited this same city 20 years before, when the situation was very different. Churches like this one have sprung up much more recently, and this situation is repeated in many, many cities. Young, well-educated, middle-class Christians there are eager to make a difference in their country and in the world. God has been answering prayer. He has accomplished infinitely more than we can ask or think. Hallelujah. What a privilege it is to have a small part in his global multinational team. And looking around this morning, I see a small slice of that. Okay, now we're going to turn our attention to the Bible. And first of all, we'll look at the first five verses of Daniel chapter 1. And Tyler is going to come up now to read those verses for us. Thanks, Tyler. Good morning. This is coming from Daniel chapter 1. During the third year of King Joachim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Joachim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel is a fascinating book to study. It's set in a very significant period of history and traces the long pilgrimage of an extraordinary man of God. He was born in the year 623 BC 
And the events described in these verses happened 18 years later in 605 BC. So when we first meet Daniel, he is college age. Verse 21 of that same chapter refers to the first year of King Cyrus, a date that is 46 years later, when Daniel would have been well into his 60s. Do you know the meaning of the name Daniel? It actually means God is my judge. And I feel sure that he had God-fearing parents who were very sure of that truth. During Daniel's childhood, the prophets, Jeremiah, Nahum, Zephaniah, and Habakkuk were clearly predicting that God's judgment would fall on his people if they failed to repent. And fall it did when Daniel was 18 years old. His family was a noble one. Perhaps today we'd call it upper class or aristocratic or well-to-do. He was from a privileged family and under normal circumstances would be expected to do well, either academically or in business or some other profession. He had great potential to be wealthy and successful. But, and this is a big but, like many well-to-do Syrians and Iraqis today, suddenly his world was devastated by war. Back to the previous slide, please. He lost his home, his family, and his prospects for a normal life. Can you imagine that day when Babylon, Israel's sworn enemy, marched into town with overwhelming force, defeated the king, plundered the city, and took him captive? A terrible day. Life would never be the same again. However, Daniel was not among those to be executed or treated as a prisoner of war. No. We read that he was one of those chosen for royal service. He was good-looking, he was intelligent, and a diligent student. And so, along with his three friends, he was enrolled as an overseas student in the Royal University of Babylon. Not bad, eh? Not the circumstances he would have wanted, but free tuition and a guaranteed job at the end. We learn something very important about these young men when we look at verses 17 to 21, which Tyler will now read for us. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. We learn that even in that pagan college with pagan classmates and pagan subjects, 
God gave these four Jewish boys the ability to outperform all, their, all the other students. They were top of their class. And so it was that they became valued servants of the mighty king of Babylon, which was the superpower of the day. Palace employees on his majesty's service. Quite an honor considering they had been captured in a war zone. Of course, there were challenges. They were now in a completely ungodly context. Their superiors did not believe in or even respect the God of Israel. After all, they had comprehensively defeated God's people. King Nebuchadnezzar was a tyrant. He was brutal, unpredictable, and irrational. And so, the book of Daniel has a number of dramatic stories set in this scenario. Of course, most people know about the lion's den and the fiery furnace, but chapter two is actually where Daniel is first confronted with a life and death situation. The king had a troubling dream. No one knew what it was or what it meant. The king's fear concerning the dream turned to rage. He was furious that no one could interpret it for him. So angry was he that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon, Daniel included. Daniel questioned the commander tasked to do this. Why so harsh a decree? And he goes in to see the king and asks for more time. Then back to his friends and tells them, pray, pray, pray. Ask the God of heaven, the King of kings, to show mercy, to help us, to save us. And that night their prayers were answered, and Daniel knew, as he'd always known, that he served a king far greater than Nebuchadnezzar. His royal service was primarily with the ruler of the entire universe, the sovereign of all history, the king over all kings. He was on his majesty's service. Verses 20 to 23 underline this, and Tyler will come and read them for us. He said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. This prayer expresses Daniel's deep personal convictions about who God is. These were truths he'd learned in Jerusalem in his youth. They were hidden deep within his heart. He frequently thought about them. He included them in his praises and his prayers, and that was his secret. His most powerful service was done secretly where only God could see him. And this verse reveals the source of Daniel's exceptional faith. 
he knew his God. Even in his demanding life as a high government official, he found time to pray three times a day. The secret part of his royal service was steady faith and frequent prayer. And you can read, you can be strengthened, you can be taught by his many prayers that are scattered throughout the book of Daniel. So what can we learn from Daniel's story today? I just want to make two main points. First of all, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of Daniel is the same God that we love and serve. He will always be the King of Kings, and every day we too are all in royal service. And for many of you, like Daniel, your place of service is not a place where God is known or loved or honored. The people around you have other gods and beliefs. Like Daniel, your boss may be unreasonable, may put great pressures on you, may even be very mean. Your colleagues may be cynical or critical of your faith in Jesus. But never forget, you belong to the king. And first and foremost, you serve God, not the men and women over you. He is on your side. He is with you. He hears you and has a plan for you right there. Let's be faithful like Daniel, who served foreign kings for almost 50 years. He knew his position in the royal court of Babylon was both a privilege and a responsibility. Eventually, his behavior, his faith, and his prayers had great impact on those around him. The second point I want to make concerns the secret weapon of prayer. For Daniel, heartfelt prayer was his daily, lifelong discipline. As a teenager, he prayed. As a young courtier, he prayed. As a, wise, mature, as a mature wise man, he prayed. And as an elder statesman, he prayed. And if they had retirees then, he would have prayed as a retiree. I'm sure he prayed with his heart and with his faith and his, his assurance that God was hearing. It's about being his child and drawing close to the one who loves us so much. It's about teamwork with God and working with him. It's about fighting for God and entering into his war. Often we don't know how to pray, right? So we ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, just as those first 12 disciples asked him. We've already heard about the range of mission partners that we support here, and so I do encourage you to learn more. Maybe you could just determine not to leave here this morning without learning something new about one of our mission partners. Who knows? the impact of a few secret agents in God's royal service. Let's close by reading this verse together. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more 
than we might ask or think. Kevin Chu is now going to come up with some further information for us. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Glennis. Um, morning, church. So I'd just like to quickly highlight four things uh, for Mission Sunday and uh, today and going forward. 